All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Hashira Half Hour. My name is Emily, and I missed you all last week, but I was busy. I was being a best man for my besto friendo at his wedding, which was the honor of my life, um, and I had a great time. But I do know that it was also the first week of Shibuya, and boy, do I have thoughts. As always, I am joined by my friends, Hannah and Brian. For one, I missed you all last week, too, but I was also having a great time in the mountains of California with my family. So, you know, enjoyed that, but missed all of you. I also have thoughts on the first and second episode of Shibuya Art, but they're very different from Emily because my thoughts are confusion. What the heck is Ghetto doing here? I thought he died. I'm so confused. What do you mean Ghetto lives? Vine, anyone? It's me, Brian. <laughs> Welcome back. I am excited to be still be in Shibuya. I've been reading the JJK manga. I'm up to like chapter 191 right now out of like 230. And like, like I said to Hannah before we started this, if she's confused now, I'm still confused. Like, you're confused? Bruh, I'm confused. So, also, rest in peace, that guy. He died recently. I'm so sorry. R.I.P. to a real one. Um, <laughs> okay, so let's just jump right in. We've got a lot of ground to cover. First of all, and this is partially my bad because I was gone last week, but can we please for a minute talk about the new intro sequence, though? I mean, oh my gosh, there are so many super subtle spoilers in it. For all my manga readers out there who know, they know. Um, also, Specials is just an absolute friggin' bop of a song. It's so good. It's been on repeat in my car all week. Um, I don't know. In my opinion, I feel like JJK is like nearly unrivaled with their intro songs because... I feel like you wouldn't necessarily, like, if you just heard it, you didn't have context, you wouldn't necessarily be able to pick out immediately that it's, like, an intro song from an anime versus, like, just something from Japanese radio. And I think that that just goes to show how much the genre is evolving. Ten years, you know, when I was a kid, like, you could 100% pick out one of those songs. Um, there were no anime themes like this ten years ago. I just think it's, like, it's so cool to hear like this very contemporary music get used to introduce such a cool and visually stunning sequence to i don't know what do you guys think yeah no definitely i think specials is really i guess special for lack of a better term if you will because you know you look back at the first opening of one piece and it's like Akatemo, umbewa, na, 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 na. and it's like very much so like ah yeah this is about like some like happy-go-lucky kid um, and of course, right, this is a darker arc, so you need something a little bit more mysterious to pair with it. But also, I just think that it's really cool that, like, I don't know, certain songs, like, if we did American, like, shows with this, I feel like uh, a lot of shows would do a lot better if we had better music to go with them. Or if just American shows did um, some anime intros and outros, because realistically, it's just like, ah, here we are. Like, Shameless had the same intro for, like, 11 seasons. Like... <laughs> literally put in some work here i mean all the american shows i watched growing up literally like didn't even have intros it was like a three second like little jingle and that was it i was like okay all right cool so as the anime only i don't i i can't pick up on the foreshadowing yet or the spoilers that are in this opening but i can definitely tell the uh darkness like just like the lighting in general of the the opening is very like dark and mysterious and like obviously i've been spoiled on a few things for this arc so i kind of know like what's to come people keep telling me they're like ah think infinity castle but jjk and i'm like cool that's not good um <laughs> so you know that's great for me the song itself is really freaking good i haven't been listening to it the way emily has 
I'm I'm more of a Demon Slayer OP type of girl. However, JJK is right up there with the OPs. I like most animes that I watch. Almost every single one of the OPs, I'm just like bopping to in the car. So uh, it's on my playlist though. I'm listening to it. It's not as often. It's really really good. I wish that that would be introduced to more American media, but I I think it's more of an anime thing. So we'll see. But I'm excited to see. Uh, how I feel after the season is over when I rewatch the OP and see all the foreshadowing that's happening in it. And we will talk about it then because it's really insane. Um, the level of detail that was put into this opening in particular. So very, very cool, but let's just jump in. So this episode is officially titled evening festival. We left off last week with Mechamaru and Mahito getting ready to square up and a pretty shocking reveal of Mechamaru's like original, disfigured body and now the healed version of this body made possible by cursed energy (laughs) he's also right now getting ready to absolutely wreck mojito from the looks of it by piloting the eva (laughs) um what did you guys think of this fight and also of the nod here that's like pretty obvious to those very popular mecha animes like neon genesis and others Okay, I will say I haven't watched like any other mecha animes. My my newbie to the anime world is showing. It still has only been about three years since I like officially became into anime. Please don't hate on me for that, you guys. I have a right to talk about anime. I love it. Okay, um, <laughs> I'm talking to the viewers, not you. Obviously, Emily and Brian don't hate on me for only being an anime weeb for three years, but. I haven't seen Neon Genesis. I haven't seen anything that I saw like on Twitter that people were uh, saying this fight was a nod to. However, the fight itself was really freaking good. The animation, I feel like in season one, it didn't live up to my expectations just because I was like comparing it to Demon Slayer, which everyone was saying it was just as good. I, I'm trying to word this. I, I think the animation is really good. It just didn't like wow me like I thought it was going to but this did okay so I think that MAPPA is definitely putting a little bit more like maybe heart and soul into it is like the right word I know MAPPA has like 10 million projects so I think that sometimes it can seem like they're spread out a little bit too thin and I feel like they're putting a lot of effort into JJK this season so I can definitely see that and I was really, really impressed with this action sequence. There was one moment where, like, they were zooming in on Mahito kind of, like, flying around. And I was, like, I was, like, on the edge of my seat, like, this is so cool. This is so cool. The last time I felt that way was during Entertainment District of Demon Slayer. So snaps from off of there. Yeah. I love this scene. A couple different reasons. Um, first off, like, that drop kick that Mechamaru does, that is a direct, like, pull from Neon Genesis. That was so cool to see them reference something very interesting like that. Other thing, those like red stars that were coming up with like the flashes and stuff, those gave me Kill a Kill vibes. I don't know if either of you have watched Kill a Kill. I don't think so, right? No, not yet. But I mean, it's like another like early 2000s studio trigger anime, but it's so good. And like, I was just like, I love those because like that is the main thing that like I remember from that show is like that just pretty like attacks and I loved every piece of that because like Mechamaru using those cursed energy blasts that were like years worth of cursed energy and it was just so well done also Mahito's idol transfiguration throughout the entire thing he was like a bird a squirrel a whale a fish it was like I don't know man that was just wild watching him like jump through hoops just to like dodge and bob and weave 
He just went through with a list of all animals. He's just like, yeah, this one, this one, this one, this one. It w- and that was, I think that showed like how intimidating he is as like an opponent. And we, and we knew, we've known this. Like he is scary and he is also like very joyful about it, which makes him like even scarier. But I saw something fun actually about that in particular, because that is something that I believe is mostly original to the anime is him like switching into all the different forms. And Gege came out actually, the mangaka, and was like, yeah, I should have done that. That looked really good. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, wow, wow, good job, guys. <laughs> yeah, so that was just a great sequence. And absolutely, like, Neon Genesis is, like, an absolute, like, stronghold in anime history. Whether you absolutely love it or absolutely hate it. Like, I don't think there's any denying at least how visually stunning it is. And also, another one of the greatest OPs of all time. So cool. And and it's it's so fun to see, like, these nods to the history that has brought anime to where it is and what excites me about that too is seeing like who knows like 10 15 years from now who's going to be referencing like jjk and demon slayer and attack on titan and all the things that are like great now and how exciting because there's going to be great stuff in the future and i just think that's so cool but moving on a little bit so speaking of like the visual appeal of this scene and this fight in particular, there actually was a lot of controversy with the way that this episode was aired. There was so much movement and motion in this fight that Japanese television actually censored it a bit um, and added some motion blurring that you might have noticed as they're moving through. This was to help cater to people who needed the visual like stimula turned down So what this means is that probably like when a Blu-ray version or like a DVD version comes out, it's going to be so much more rapid fire and like even crazier to watch than what we got to see. And a lot of people were mad because they're like, I just wanted to see like the real work that the animators did. I don't know. What do you think? Did you feel like what they did here with the blurring, like did it hinder the experience for you? Did it enhance it a little bit so that it felt a little bit slowed down? What do you think? I literally wouldn't have known any different had you not told me that. Like, I wouldn't have known at all. So I don't think it was really a problem for me. I, of course, think that people, you know, people who have better lenses on things like that notice. And I'm sure, like, more people who are into film and things like that or animation probably understood what could have been. But, like, to the normal eye, I was like, this is still pretty good. Now, of course, do I now want to see what it would have looked like without motion blurring? Sure. But also, like, for the general public, like, I think it was a good move on whoever does that censorship, like, to think about, okay, maybe this scene, like, maybe, like, we shouldn't put that out because that could be, like, triggering to people or that could send someone into, God, I don't know what it is, epilepsy, I think it is with the flashing lights. So, I mean... It's being mindful of your audience. I think that's very fair and very conscious. Yeah, I too didn't really realize anything because I was just like, oh, this fight is so cool. Like I just said, like I was super impressed with the animation of this fight, but I, I didn't notice anything. I didn't know until I opened up Twitter after I watched the episode, people were talking about it. And of course, a lot of people were saying it from like a bad side, saying like, oh, they're doing it just so that they can get more sales for the Blu-ray because people want to see it. And like, it's a master plan. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think it's a master plan. I think they're just trying to censor things for, you know, people that maybe can't handle that kind of visual. But yeah, I wouldn't have noticed it. I when I watched it a second time after I found out about this, I tried to catch things and I really didn't see much. I was super impressed the second time as well. So 
I think I'm interested to see the Blu-ray then, though, because since I was so impressed by this fight scene, I think it'll be interesting to see it uncensored, and it might just absolutely blow my mind, honestly. I think so, too. I I noticed right away, admittedly, I live with a film buff, and... <laughs> you know he he caught it like he's like oh look they're like they're like doing this and like this is like faded around the edges and and I think like I I probably wouldn't have caught it if I hadn't been sitting with him immediately but I do think that like seeing the blu-ray version for, for people who are visually able to do that is probably going to be insane because this fight as cool as it was was giving me like naruto versus sasuke a little bit for those who know (laughs) (laughs) Um, which is not a bad thing obviously that's like one of the most beloved fights of all time it almost felt like a lot of things were happening that were fast but it happened slow i don't know if that makes sense almost like like a slow motion kind of feeling from the motion blurring so i do think that like when that gets turned off it is going to give us some of the crazier stuff that we've seen also from mappa attack on titan sequences chainsaw man sequences and it those also like didn't get blurred so if this one did it makes me wonder like how much crazier it might be so i'm excited to see it for sure so you know this this fight as we've said, is, like, visually stunning, and both of them are, like, really giving it their all. Mahito does put up a good fight here. His ever-adapting body and changing forms is super crazy to watch. Like we said, he's becoming all of these different things to best adapt to this fight with Mechamaru. It's like he's evolving in real time. However, it's when he's pushed to his limit and he unveils his domain expansion, self-embodiment of perfection, that I think that the visuals of this episode are chilling. We saw him do this in season one, but it almost becomes this like nirvana like state. We see like the, almost like the Buddha poses, and it's again so ominous knowing who this character is and what he's about. And things are not looking good for Mechamaru, but even when it appears that all is lost, Mechamaru actually unleashes his own simple domain in this domain expansion, and that allows him to land um, a devastating blow on Mahito and also break free of this domain expansion. Which, like, again, knowing who this villain is, I feel like that's pretty high-level stuff for a kid his age, huh? Oh, yeah. I'll admit I still have no idea how domain expansions work. I feel like 90% of what I say about JJK is like, I don't understand what's going on, but it's cool. I do remember Mahito's domain expansion from the last season. It's very chilling. It's very, like, almost, like, creepy. Like, I felt creeped out when it, like, it, like, zooms in on his mouth and he's like, huh? How was that, Hannah? <laughs> that didn't sound creepy. That sounded like Ariel. Ah, uh... <laughs> Ariel. Listen, not a voice actor. Wouldn't make it. Um, I'm not doing that again, by the way. But it goes from like I think Mikamaru, and I can't remember. I know they they introduced the actual person's name, and I I can't remember. I'm so sorry, but. Like, he's going from this, like, battle cry scream to Mahito just being very, like, his, like, hands in his mouth. And like, Bleh. But what Mechamaru does is really impressive. And it's, like, it's it felt like this fight has gone very much back and forth. Like, you don't really know who's winning. Of course, Mahito, like we mentioned earlier, his whole, like, character is that he's very childish. And that's what makes him so creepy to me and why I, I dislike him so much is that he's like villain and he's just enjoying it. And he is enjoying this. Even when he like takes a blow, he's like surprised. But at the same time, he's like, ah, okay, let me just 
okay, I'm a different animal now. We're fine. <laughs> and to see what Mechamaru does, you know, with seemingly a, a fatal blow, I, I obviously know that's not the case because I know Mahito plays a part in this arc. Really, really interesting. And I really liked that he was able to do it. You know, I feel like Mechamaru is one of those characters we haven't really gotten to know that much or spent that much time with. So to see him kind of fight toe-to-toe with Mahito was really, really quite interesting. And I was, like, very much cheering for him. I like Mahito. He's great. Of course you do. You like Doma, you like Mahito. Like, this is, of course, Also, I got roasted last week because I said I like Jogo, too. Like, do we want to go off there? Is he the volcano man? Yeah. Mike Wazowski's cousin. Oh, my God. (laughs) He's like, I can't believe it. I'm on the cover of Shibuya. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, okay. no. I... No, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to let you finish, Brian. No, go. I like Kanye. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm going to let you finish, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Um, Loki, though, Volcano Man reminds me of the movie Volcano, which is like an old action movie. And if you've never seen it, don't. Be, uh, well maybe you can i don't know it traumatized me as a kid i've had nightmares about that movie like literally for 25 years so anyway <laughs> i don't like him because of that <laughs> anyway brian nonetheless though i love mahito um and i think it's really interesting the way his domain expansion kind of works right because your hands are in your mouth when, like, your hands are the dirtiest place of your body, but, like, your mouth is also supposed to be, like, one of, like, people used to kiss each other because it was cleaner than using your hands and handshaking because you touch everything. So, like, it's this contrast of, like, what is good, what is evil, but also I love seeing that imagery of the hand in the mouth. Like, I'm wearing my Junji Ito shirt because, like, let's be real. Like, they are repping the horror anime brand so well. And I love seeing the darkness within the domain expansion. Domains, so like trying to give context to it because now I have better understanding. A domain expansion, it guarantees hits. So like when you're in a domain, it opens up a space within a given plane and that space has coordinates and barriers. So within those set barriers, everyone or the person who casts that domain guarantees their hit. Now, in a sense, you have this bubble where Mahito's domain is and then you see... Mekamaru start a simple domain. So within that domain, he has created a new space where he can guarantee a hit, which is what allows him to actually get out of it. So very like Inception-like type stuff. But nonetheless, once he does that, it is really cool to watch it kind of all wash away because he was like, he was like very surprised that it happened. But nonetheless, like Hannah said, he was like enjoying the fact that he was struggling. And I think that's what's really interesting about him. It's like, even though he's like an awful being, and again, I like Mahito. I don't like kin him. Let's just be clear on that. I think it's just very interesting to see, like, even in his own peril, he still finds somewhat of, like, a pleasure in it. He does. And that's what makes him, like, so eerie again. I, you know, and we've seen this in the last season. But also, like, as far as eerie people go, we shouldn't forget about Ghetto, who's just kind of watching this on the sidelines also. Um, and, and is also, like, maybe not getting, like, as much glee out of it as Mahito is, but he's, like, genuinely, like, very interested. He's like, oh, this kid is actually, like, like, Mahito is actually, like, having to try right now against this kid, which just goes to show, and again, this kid is, like, Yuji's age. Maybe he was a year older from the other school, but, like, 
this is a child essentially that is like piloting this enormous thing using saved up years of his life to like fight mahito and it is seemingly paying off or at least we thought so because then jjk does what it is best known for which is shocking the world and breaking our hearts this is part of the dark trio for a reason things are not going to be okay <laughs> in this show for like a lot of like at, at least for two people now that we've seen so far including of course oh the people in this scene so mechamaru it seems like has won this fight against mahito landed a fatal blow and then he acts with a bit of hubris and is like let me take on ghetto too because if i wipe both of them out then i don't have to worry about them like following me and i can go tell gojo what i need to and gojo can protect me mahito reappears in this moment from behind him and this is truly tragic in a poetic way because here's mechamaru who has like literally just gotten his healthy body for the first time in his life and the last thing that flashes before his eyes is his colleague Miwa and his like excitement and his wish to get to see everyone in the flesh for the first time because he's only been able to act through his puppet. He's immediately killed by Mahito here. What struck me in particular about this exact moment were like Mahito's visual similarities to Miwa. They, they actually look like quite similar to me. And so, like, the visual transition from, like, her smiling in his memory or in his thoughts to, like, the scary smile of Mahito, I don't know, that that was not lost on me. It was really scary and so damn sad. I think it was really interesting the way that they did this. But, I mean, they set this up from the first episode that they were going to try and kill him. And it was nice to see, like, Mekamaru make that effort. But even if he did actually manage to kill Mahito... I don't think there was a way he was making it out of this alive because he also would have had to face Ghetto. And we all know from what we've seen about Ghetto's abilities, that dragon would have ripped him to shreds. And I say that with very sad heart because I love mechs. I love Megazords. I love Armored Core 6, even though I haven't played it yet. Like, there's a lot of things about, like, Mechamaru that make him really cool. He also is very similar to a Naruto character, Saucery. I just absolutely love the idea of puppetry, controlling, manipulation, those kind of themes. And to see him get puts him get sidelined so early on in the series itself is pretty disheartening. Literally texted both of you right after I watched this episode. I was like, just die. Like, <laughs> I think, I don't think Emily even responded. I think Brian just went like, I haven't watched, oh no. Both of you are like, I haven't watched the episode yet. You knew. You knew. That's why. To be I fair, I didn't know if they were going to leave it on a cliffhanger, though, again. So I wasn't 100% sure. Now yeah, I know. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now I know. Um, I had just gone attached to him, too. And, it, you know, for random reason. But everyone here knows that I really like voice actors and, like, paying attention to it. And I literally just found out. I'm like, ah, same voice actor as Inosuke. Let's go. Like, now I'm a little <laughs> bit, like, partial to him dead that's all i have to say jjk is known for that we've now had like mechamaru was closer to being a main character than junpei was knowing that he was like at least part of the sorcery schools but you know they've, they've done us dirty before this is how the season's starting this is like episode two of shibuya we're in for it we're in for it that's alluded to because before this fight had begun mechamaru had been like internally going over and like mentioning that he needed to warn Gojo about Shibuya so that Gojo could protect him and the area of Shibuya in Japan. We already know the title of this season, and 
if you're online at all, you know that Mechamaru losing is not exactly a good thing here, knowing that he was the only one who apparently knows about this ahead of time um, as their mole or their spy. You know, him dying effectively is leaving our heroes in the dark, which is not great. Halloween night rolls around and we see an aptly named evening festival happening with huge crowds in Shibuya gathered around and celebrating. And we see them slowly get trapped by um, a very villainous seeming dropped veil over the area. What this veil means is that anyone without those jujitsu sorcery powers cannot enter or exit the affected area. Those with the powers are able to. And so, obviously, this has uh, triggered an alarm for all of our jujitsu heroes, and we get to see everybody show up to be prepared to like aid in the fight however they can, although most of them are outside of the veil, hanging out on the outskirts to keep an eye on things. What's interesting is all these humans that don't have these powers, everyone who's trapped under the veil has now started demanding that Gojo show up. And like, they don't know who Gojo is. They're even, they're like, I don't know who this guy is, but we're not allowed out until he shows up. What did you think of this? Why are they only looking for Gojo? Well, I think it's pretty clear that whatever's going on is specifically made to target Gojo. If it is, I'm assuming it is Mahito and Geto that are, you know, pulling whatever this is that's happening. I, I think he, Geto is the one who did the veil because he had mentioned it right beforehand, you know, the 10 days prior after they defeated Mekamaru. I think it's obviously clear that whatever this is happening, this is a specific ploy to kill Gojo, I'm assuming. I mean, if you're against Gojo, like, you're kind of screwed. So I, I, and this was a theme in season one, too, is like, they were trying to get Gojo. Like, it's clear that the good side is way overpowered because of one man. So what I'm seeing here is that this is a ploy to kill him or entrap him in some way. They know that if they do it this way, that Gojo's going to show up and that he's going to try and do it alone because Gojo is very confident in himself and he's a little bit cocky. Everyone else that, you know, is on Gojo's side too is also very cocky about his power and is very confident in his ability to take this on. So I think they kind of know that th that he's going to show up and he's going to show up alone. You know, it's clear that everyone who's showing up, like we've got the whole team here. I didn't see, I don't think I've seen Yuji. I don't think he was there. Um, but we got like Nobara, we got Nanami, we got uh, Panda, we got Maki, like a lot of our main characters are there, but they're all kind of just hanging out outside the veil and they're, they're being ordered to. So whatever's going on, Mahito and Geto are trying to get Gojo alone. And I think that's obviously going to be successful. Going off of what little I know, I, I think that this isn't going to go well. I think that something horrible is going to happen. I keep logging onto Twitter and people are like, don't go, no, everyone's still and I'm like, oh, my God. I mean, yeah, it's like it's like watching the Toy Story toys, you know, go right towards the lava pit in Toy Story 3, okay? There's not much you can do, okay? And unfortunately, this time, there are no little aliens to use the claw to save everyone. Like, <laughs> they're all dying. You never know. But nonetheless, uh, you know, the villains, they don't like Gojo. They're more of a Nojo type situation. So, ah! so realistically, obviously they want to get rid of Gojo. Okay, he's like the LeBron James of their team. Like, you you get the ball to LeBron in the championship. Like, we got a win right now. So, realistically, they need to get rid of him in order to have any sort of chance against the JJK team. Because even still, right, you have 
Yuji, who has access to like Sakuna's abilities at this point and some of his power because he's eaten the fingers. And that itself is a threat. Like I kind of talked about last week, like we don't understand the gravity or we're starting to understand the gravity of that very first episode in which Gojo sat on Sakuna's back. Now, like knowing like kind of how powerful Gojo is from the hidden inventory arc and understanding kind of, you know, or as like Yuji's consumed more fingers throughout time, he's gotten more powerful. That is definitely something that is kind of a problem. They need to really get as much as they can out of this. Now, as to why they're screaming for Gojo, like we kind of talked about with Hidden Inventory, he went from we are the strongest to I am the strongest. If he is like the strongest Jujutsu Sorcerer, that's the one they want. Yeah, I guess we'll have to find out next week exactly why. But he is the strongest, right? I don't know. We do see, of course, the episode ending with him actually stepping in. He has kind of like a boss entrance here, too. They're all like, where's Gojo? They're like pounding on the veil. And his hand just like comes through and he just like enters our favorite white haired teacher since Kakashi. We we love our cocky little man. Yeah, I don't know. He is the strongest, right? What could go wrong? <laughs> yep. That's about what I figured. The non-answer is an answer. On that note, this is where we wrap up. So does anyone have any final thoughts on this episode before we head into our favorite moments? I This is super random, but I really like when Mekamaro was talking about like his simple domain. He had mentioned the Heian era. We now know, <laughs> thanks to Demon Slayer, the Heian era was like a thousand years ago. That's the era that Muzan started. So I really liked that call. And I was like, hey, I know when that was, which of course now we're like a hundred years in the future compared to Demon Slayer because this is like more present time. It's 2018. That was like 1100 years ago. when, And that's when Jiu-Jitsu like sorcery was at its strongest. That's interesting that that was that long ago. I wouldn't have known that little fact if I didn't watch Demon Slayer. So thanks, Demon Slayer. What if, what if Muzan, right? Because we know Muzan's backstory now, right? What if the guy who turned Muzan into a demon was a jujitsu sorcerer, and that's, that's why. Some brain shit, Ryan. <laughs> I was just gonna say something uh, in agreement with that, and then I realized it's a huge Demon Slayer manga spoiler, so I won't. <laughs> Good thing we avoided that. But this is my rant for today. I want an anime crossover. Okay, listen, we all love when Disney Channel had like High School Musical and like I don't know, like Lemonade Mouth or whatever, like on the same time. Where is it? Okay, I want to see Deku. Well, actually, I mean, Deku's not my favorite MC. Come for me in the comments. I want to see All Might. I want to see Kakashi. I want to see, I don't know, like, Rengoku in the same team. Like, where is it? It's in Fortnite, Nowhere. apparently. So. <laughs> it would have to be in an alternate universe, considering all of these animes you just mentioned take place in very different timelines. Super Smash cool. anime version. Yeah. They just all, all we need is into this, like, alternate universe. All we need is Takamichi. He's got it. Anya could solo them all. Anya will <laughs> Starlight oh, throw. Man. I'm sorry, but all Takamichi's gonna do is sit there and cry, and somehow everyone's gonna love him. <laughs> he, I mean, it is in the song. He, he is, is a crybaby. Cry all right, guys. Let's, let's go ahead. We'll transition to our favorite moments here. I'll go ahead and go first. So I just have to shout out the opening again because I didn't get to for episode one. So consider this my honorary shout out for episode one and to the specials. Like, I just think it's like, it's such a cool sequence. It's one of my favorites in recent memory for sure. I said enough about that. For this episode, I got to see Nanami again. I love him. He's my nine to five man. I love him. He is my sweet, sweet, only one that makes sense, boy. <laughs> So anytime I get to, he he is like my Ren Goku this season. Love him. 
love getting to see him. He's very relatable. I would say my favorite moment had to be the entire between Mahito and Mekamaru. As much as I hate how it ended, because that really pissed me off. Um, <laughs> it, it just, like, I've touched on it. The animation was gorgeous. You know, I, I was able to follow the fight pretty well. Like, I, I, I pretty much understood what was going on. And that was probably one of the first fights that I felt that way. So I really enjoyed it. And as much as I hated the ending and how and the outcome of that, I... Yeah, I think that... My favorite moment this season, actually something that we didn't talk about quite yet, and it was watching the people in the veil and their reactions. Because there were certain people that were like, do you see that? And other people were like, what are you talking about? And I think it kind of goes back to what Ghetto talked about in the first season, like killing off humanity to force the evolution of that. A lot of people could have the potential to see cursed energy, or a lot of people do have the ability to work in the jiu-jitsu world. You know, and looking at it from like a large scale theme, I think it kind of like when we look at like people who have cursed energy, they've gone through a lot of trauma in their life. And I think it kind of resembles that a lot of the general public has trauma that like has affected the way that they see the world around them. And I think that that's a really big kind of point to talk about is that the general public does know about fit into this hidden world as much as, you know, ghetto would like to think that everyone's just a monkey. So I think it's a really like good counterpoint to his entire concept. I would even counter that though and say that this seems exactly like something that he might set up, right? Because like the, in theory, if they're able to practice those people, and I think that they even said this, I have to go back and watch it one more time. But in theory, I think that the people who can see can potentially get out. The monkeys can't. To use his own word. Exactly, Brian. I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> there it is. That's the truth bomb of the episode. Yeah, they're the people who can't use it are trapped inside for a reason, I think. Mm, we're mm. going to find out. Mm-hmm. We're going to find out. And it's going to be bad. <laughs> All right. Great first moment. So excited for next week's episode. On that note, I'm going to pass it over to Hannah real quick for a Taisho Era secret. And now it's time for a Taisho Kusokuso Wasabanashi. I told y'all I would, I'd figure it out at some point. Don't, still don't exactly know what I just said, but I can sound it out at least. Speaking of Japanese, something that's interesting, you might, so you might have noticed in a lot of different animes that use Japanese names. So like Demon Slayer and Jujutsu Kaisen are some of the ones that I can think of right off the top of my head, where all the names are Japanese, they're derived from kanji, they have you know, their hiragana phonetic sounds, they have their katakana phonetic sounds if it's foreign. I won't get into much of that in this Taisho secret. However, you'll notice that when they are translated into Romaji for us to read, some of the unofficial translations have random U's in places. I can think of Doma having a U in the middle after O, and then of course like Tanjiro sometimes has a U after his O, same with Kyojiro. So what that actually means is in the hiragana alphabet, they use the U character after any O character. So that can be O, To, Ro, Mo, No, Ko, Do, etc. A lot of people will think that the U would mean that you need to pronounce it O, which that's not the case. They, in the Japanese alphabet, for some reason, use the U character to just signify that you are stretching out the O vowel. You might have noticed in Japanese, they drop vowels a lot because they speak so fast. That's just to let you know, hey, don't drop it. So when we get an unofficial translation, many times those U's are still there because they are literally just taking the hiragana phonetic alphabet and making it so that we can read it and using our letters. Now, when they get to the official translation, many times those U's get dropped because it can actually confuse us as English speakers when it comes to English rules, because we start to think, oh, is it pronounced more like Dauma? Is it pronounced Tanjirao? You know, because of our rules. 
So they actually dropped that U. That being said, if you're someone who likes to argue how people spell these names, don't, because either way is right. Um, you can spell it with a U, that's correct. That's more directly translated. You can spell it without a U because that's usually the more uh, official translation that's less confusing. So either way, you're right. Pretty cool. So Gojo would have been G-O-U-J-O-U, <laughs> technically. I would have to look up the, the kanji for him. I don't think there's any U's. So really? I don't think you're you're supposed to really stretch anything out. It's just Gojo. Not it's not like Gojo. I guess that's true. Yeah. That makes sense. So, I think cool. Satoru though. There is a U at the end. Satoru. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a great episode. I'm so excited for next week. And like honestly, we're just gonna be like rapid fire from here the rest of the way. As as far as I like honestly. Like, we are going to be, like, moving pretty fast for, like, the rest of the damn show, as far as I know. So hang on to your seats, and we will see you next week. Super excited to keep on going. And next week's episode is officially called Shibuya Incident. So we're, we're approaching, you know, really getting into it. For today, that's all the time that we have. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please make sure to give us a like, give us a download if you're listening to the podcast. And if you're able to, make sure to follow us on all platforms. We are on every major social media channel at Hashira Half Hour or at Hashira Half on Twitter. Ask us a question, drop a comment if you have anything maybe you agreed or disagreed with. And we're really excited to hear from you and to see you again next week. Until next time, umai. Umai. Umai.